Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, and welcome to the blizzard watch podcast the show where we talk about blizzard games and not 25 year old you know pbs shows we don't do that as much as we might want to uh with me this week are my two incredibly nostalgic i guess in a way co-hosts uh first up she remembers more about old television shows involving math than you ever will and stickney it's a What's skill up? it's a life skill that I've <laughs> i know i don't know what we're doing this week <laughs> I have a really weird and funky memory. Like my dad is continually weirded out that I remember the blueprint of the house that I grew up in before he added the second story to it. And that's mostly because he added the second story when I was about two and a half, three years old. So like the fact that I remember anything from before that just really weirds him out. I don't know why either. I just do. I still remember the, like, the, the exact way I would walk to get home from like kindergarten. Like, I could close my eyes, and if I were dropped in that spot, I could still do it. Like, I have, like, this really strong memory of how it went, but I can't yeah, remember I our address. Bus. I had to take the bus, because we were out in the middle of nowhere in Michigan, so. Yeah. And, I mean, it was probably, you know, thinking on it, it was probably a 10 or 15 minute ride or something, but it seemed like an eternity when I was little, so there you go. Also with us this week, and not as interested in old PBS shows as we are, is Alex Zebart, the editor-in-chief of Blizzard Watch. Hello. Hello, Alex. What are you up to? That's not... Uh, I mean, as, as long as we're talking about really old things such as houses, I went past my grandparents' old house yesterday. Really? It's a beautiful, beautiful red brick house. You know, we, we didn't really want to leave, but we kind of had to, you know, a whole story. But the new owners painted the shutters white on a red brick house and I just want to go up to the door and be like you guys have to leave <laughs> why would you paint them white on a dark red brick house I'm like you don't all right you I guess they wanted go. to make a statement piece they're you, using you them don't as deserve accent. this house do you know what's really <laughs> what I expected to hear from you though because I've seen this I've seen a similar house the trim and red brick do you know what I've seen people do to red brick houses what what 
paint the bricks. The bricks? No. Uh, yeah. Blue. Blue? They painted blue. the bricks blue. Yes. Oh. A blue house is inherently kind of odd. You don't see a lot of blue houses in the first place. To paint a red brick house blue is to miss the point of a red brick house. Yeah. So there was this house downtown that we always, it was, it was the weird house and it was um, bright purple and the trim was like this lime green color. <laughs> I don't, they, See, they chose it, that. They chose that color combination. I'm okay with people doing something really crazy, like completely out there. But yeah, but not doing something just okay, kind of a, a little weird. You're not supposed to do that. <laughs> it's, just, it's like an, an, an eccentric artist's house or something. That's fine. All right. Before we do an entire show about PBS and old houses, um, which they would do on PBS, I'm convinced there's a house a show on PBS somewhere about old houses Wasn't being painted. This old weird. house on there? No. Maybe. But we should probably talk about. Um, yeah. Well, Blizzard. Uh, actually, have a few pieces of news this week. Um, we're going to do the top stories, which we usually do every week. Uh, so we'll move right into it. Um, I, I guess we'll talk about the easy one first. Uh, Tracer is now available in Heroes of the Storm. So, yeah. Yep. That's for pre-orders from Overwatch? Uh, no, she... It's <laughs> Tracer is very complicated. People who pre-ordered digitally got access to her last week or the week before, I think. It was an mm-hmm. early access thing, yes. This week, she's available to purchase as a standalone for money or in-game gold. But if you pre-ordered a physical box, you will still get Tracer, but not until you receive her physical box next month. So you can, if you pre-ordered it digitally, you got it right now. But if you bought Wait. the game not digitally you don't get it until you right. get the game because wow. you, you need to add the game to your battle.net account for it to go okay you have you have the the deluxe here's tracer but if you're getting a physical box you're not gonna be able to add it to your account until you receive the physical box didn't they didn't they say that like participating retailers are handing out codes or something so that you can go ahead and get tracer or uh, something maybe but Clearly, not everyone is participating then. Well, <laughs> there are people yeah. upset they're not getting free Tracer until next month when people who did not pre-order can that's, buy her today. That's kind of stepping on the whole concept of buying a physical collector's edition to begin. It's like, here, you can have all of these goodies, but you can't actually have them until May. And we're giving all the people who bought the digital stuff things really early. I mean, there's not really a way they can control that. No, but... If just... Amazon or Target or Walmart or Kmart or whoever isn't going to give you a digital code, they're just going to give you the box, well, you don't get that box till the street date. Yeah, that is unfortunate. Huh. But, um, that's so that's Tracer's complicated purchasing history, which even I didn't know it was that complicated. That's kind Have of you tried up. playing her in Heroes yet, Alex, at all? I no, haven't. Yes. Because uh, everybody wants to play her. Oh. <laughs> um, as soon as she became available from the digital pre-orders, like every single game had a tracer in it. Uh, Which means it, that if you queue as a tracer, if you're... you queue as tracer, you're going to be waiting a while. Oh, well, that's so not. I did much the same fun. <laughs> with with every new hero. That's what I do. Like, yeah, people are going to be playing it like crazy the first week. I'll just wait a couple of weeks. Like, um. And it's when I buy I buy my heroes with gold too, and the price always drops after two weeks. When it first comes out, it's fifteen thousand gold. If you wait two weeks, it's ten thousand gold. I'll get it for ten thousand, and people have stopped playing it by that point. So is so, she going to be ten thousand gold before the collector's edition? People can even get their hands on her. Probably. Wow, that's kind of a little messed up. I'm I'm surprised they didn't think about 
like think through that one. I don't know. It's felt like the past couple of WoW expansions, at least, it's felt like they really are kind of subtly moving away from the collector's editions and towards digital. Yeah, and, I mean, but the thing that's is, is like gaming in general. Yeah, I like the collectors. Like, I I love getting the world of the physical collectors edition for World of Warcraft expansions because they come with the soundtrack and they also come with the art book, and the art oh, yeah, book I'm, is great. I'm not disagreeing with you that I like you know like I, the art back book I have for the Cataclysm one is really nice. I'm just feeling. So I'm just saying that this is what I feel from looking at what Blizzard is doing. I was kind of disappointed feel- with the art book for Warlords. Mostly because three quarters of the book, like there was no Draenei stuff in it at all. It was all orc stuff and pictures of buildings from the garrisons. And I'm like, this isn't, the other ones were cooler. <laughs> I don't know. Honestly, feel like we could get into a huge rant about that one. But um, moving on, uh, I guess, well, you know what happened? It, it's not, it, might as well talk about it. Uh, today, r- really early today, by the way, I happen to have been up. It was like, three o'clock in the morning where I am. Uh, J. Allen Brack got posted to the forums. Actually, Natheria posted it for him. Um, a response to the entire legacy servers slash Nostalarius um, petition debate that's been going on. If you don't know the, the subject, basically, uh, Nostalarius was one of the largest private servers, and it was the one that was basically all just vanilla. You level 60, everything the way it was in vanilla. You didn't know new races, none of that stuff. And, uh, they it got shut down because Blizzard shuts down private servers. That's what they do. Um, and there's been a big debate. Um, there's been a petition going around. People have been trying to get Blizzard to open legacy servers themselves. And Brack's response, basically, I'm going to say this straight up. It wasn't a new response. No. Uh, this is basically what they've been saying all along. I mean, both either one of you, did you see anything really new in this? Well, they were just kind of reiterating... You know, the reason that they had to take it down, they had to take it down because if they didn't, if they didn't protect against any of that intellectual property infringement stuff, then that would kind of weaken and damage their claim to said stuff. So sometimes I I wonder how they pick their targets, though. I don't know. I would think that in this case, they picked their target because it was huge and hard to ignore. Yeah, yeah. Kronos is another big one, and it's been around for quite a while, too. And basically, everybody who was playing on Nostalgias just went to Kronos. Well, and that one's still there. We'll see what happens in a month or two. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. kind of feel, like feel like you may have done something here, Alex. Um, but that's just going to happen. You know, they're just going to keep going to additional private servers, and Blizzard's going to have to take them down forever. It's just, yeah, that's just that's how just it, it is. is. I'm just curious... I how they it decide was, this is our target. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting that, that Brack did flat out say, you know, they've looked into the possibility, but there isn't actually, like, a clear legal path to protect the IP and gra- grant any kind of an operating license to these private servers. Well, they've talking they've about looked today, at it. There's just no way yeah. to do it. Well, we were talking about today in work chat, and Joe, uh, Joe Perez, who's our Shaman columnist, he works, he's worked for years in, in, uh, you know, for an internet provider, and he mentioned one of the problems with licensing is it opens you up to liability. Yeah. If they open, if they allowed people to license their IP from this way, if they allowed people to like license up a vanilla server, and then those people did something like say took everyone's money and shut down, Blizzard would be liable because they licensed these guys. So there's there's a ton of stuff involved in this that isn't as simple as why don't they just do X? Um, they don't just do X because... A lot of it because... is legal stuff. A lot of it yeah. is legal stuff. And it has nothing to do with how much people would love this idea or how many people would play this or, you know, X, Y, Z. It's, 
it all boils down to legal, really. And plus, I mean, the other the other problem is why doesn't Blizzard just do it themselves? Um, they'd have to do it on top of maintaining the servers they already have. Uh, and they would have to basically now have people whose job it was to run the legacy servers, to make sure they stayed up. Keep in mind that these we, up, we updated World of Warcraft throughout the you know 12-year history of the game because there were problems. <laughs> Some of the stuff they did, it, it was running on completely different hardware like 10 years ago. When Beast BC came out in 2007, January of 2007, am I correct? Uh, That's when Burning Crusade dropped? Yes. yes. Okay, so if you think about it, the, the equipment that was being used in December of 2006, when it was run the last time we, we had like a purely legacy, purely vanilla WoW, the hardware they were using is now 10 years obsolete. The, the programs were, you know, there's a reason that they've, when they, they recently upgraded WoW to a completely different kind of, of caching system, because computer technology has progressed, even if we're still playing the same game. I honestly feel like there'd be, there's issues we don't even know about that we wouldn't even think about that I mean, wouldn't even you know make sense to us. What it what it comes down to for me is like I know I mean it's there's nothing that says Blizzard can't do it. I mean oh, if, no, if these guys if these guys did it independently on their own and got it running on hardware and were hosting it and got the scripting working, Blizzard can do it. It's just yeah. do they think the profit is there? And it's a business, so there does have to be profit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, plus let, let's be completely honest. Uh, it really wouldn't be hard at all for Blizzard to put up a legacy server. How many legacy servers are they going to need to put up? And what's going to happen on those servers? Because keep, keep in mind, it's not like that game can't update. Like, are they going to have to go back and do balance patches on, you know, 1.6? Like, you know, it's the next Ramus patch forever, but we need to do balance patches because Shadow Priests are just too strong in PvP. Like, no. I mean, if people, or you just leave it that way forever. Just leave, you know. I mean, if can, people are asking for a snapshot of you know 1.12 or say, okay, here's 1.12, play on it. We will keep the server running. And uh, that's all you get. It that's is what, what it is, do. and I think I think people would be fine with that. I think Blizzard can put a big disclaimer like this is. Oh, I don't the think game putting up a big, as of. I don't. I don't think putting up a disclaimer is going to stop people from complaining. It never has. It never will. Let's let me. I'll just say that up front. People will play it uh, right now. If you put the legacy servers up right now, if you put up a snapshot of the Nax patch, and that was it, and you said up front, never going to be any changes, never going to be updates. So, you know, shamans are going to hit you with the, with sulfuros and kill you. That's going to happen. This is but the only on the horde because they don't exist on alliance. Yeah, but but you know, this is what it's going to be. Paladins on one side, horde, you know, shamans on the other. Some races, you know, no no blood elves, none of that. This is what you're going to get. This is the game. This is what you're getting. People would absolutely play on it. I I have no problem believing that. I also have no problem believing people would would like play on it. Like some people, this would be all they played. This would be their wow. Yeah. I don't know how many that would be. I really don't know if it would be enough to justify the outlay of time it's going to take. Because you still have to keep these servers up. Uh, Nostalrius, you know, took money. They straight up got money from people. They they. They weren't shy about it. Um, they well, charge, but they, you know, they asked for donations. They, it costs money to do this. Yeah, to just because people will nitpick about this. Um, the Nostalrius admins never received money that went in their pocket. No, it went no, directly. People, it went, people could pay directly for servers. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. That this will cost money. Blizzard is not going to put up servers just. To you know, so you pay the cost of the servers. What did you guys That's think? Not... What did you guys think there was that thing that they said at the end of the post there where they were talking about um, 
opening a pristine realm and basically that would turn off all leveling acceleration including character transfers heirloom gear character boost recruiter friend bonuses wow token any access to cross realm zones or group finder it's all turned off um i don't think that would satisfy anybody i don't don't know what the point would be yeah the thing is is that the people who the people i've talked to the people who've argued with me the people who've agreed with me i think the, the main draw for legacy servers isn't necessarily the play experience it's not necessarily leveling from one to 60 like as hard as possible although some people do like that i think it's because people miss wow and that's really like the cataclysm changed the game it changed the game in a way that some people are never going to get over uh I mean, I don't think it's changed the game as much as people think it does. It has. I mean, you can still go explore. You can still see most of the old world. But yeah, it did. It really. Look at you know Thousand Needles. Yeah, I, I remember going to Thousand Needles and wandering around the racetrack. It's that, underwater now. Yeah, that's what I would. You know, as like I've, I've said before, I would on occasion play on a legacy server. I would never do it full time, but I would do it on occasion. And one of the big drives for that is because I would love to see the old zones again. Uh, Cataclysm, like. Ashara, I, su- I miss old Ashara. <laughs> I, I really support like advancing the game world and all that. I wish they would do more of it, but I think they didn't do a very good job with Cataclysm. I think they lost the essence of Azeroth in that. Um, you know, some of those zones <laughs> that that changed so dramatically, like Thousand Needles. Like that's not even Thousand Needles anymore. Slowpoke no, just mentioned in the chat channel. Slugfolk said, people want their barons back, their Orgrimmar auction house roof, and their gosh darn Stormwind Park. That yeah, roof, the, the roof to the Orgrimmar auction house, I spent like three quarters of my time in Vanilla running circles around that roof. And it's it's always bothered me so much how Vanilla WoW, all the zones kind of had their own encapsulated, almost a timeless story. Like Westfall was about Westfall and, and all yeah. of this. Cataclysm, it made all of the zones about cataclysm so while the original game world lasted what six years the cataclysm versions lasted about six months because they deprecated themselves uh it's i think their approach to cataclysm and i would love to see the original versions again so yeah i i say this before i i've said it again i i'm in a weird position here in that Honestly, when I look back, I'm pretty anti-nostalgia. You know this. I, I'm pretty vociferously opposed to legacy servers. I, but the reason is, is because honestly, my vanilla was the best. I had the best bloody time in vanilla. I did everything. I was like the, I was like a main tank warrior in the most progressed guild on my server. I could, you know, I could go PvP anytime I wanted. And I could smash high warlords' faces in because I had Nax gear. Yeah. I got to yeah. do all that stuff. I got to raid when other people never even got to see the raids. I was literally in the best position. I was in the 1%. Straight up, I was having the most fun you could have in World of Warcraft. And because of that, I'm always very aware that other people didn't get to do that. Mm-hmm. Didn't get to see it. Didn't get to experience it. And I don't think they, you know, I, I, I keep coming back to this idea of it's not as great as I remember it for everybody. You know what I mean? But at the same time, the argument just that people could use it for tourism, that people would use it for tourism, is what I think what it would, would ultimately be. I think you'd go to get to see, like, to use an example of a zone that isn't even all that different, the Hinterlands. Yeah. I remember riding across the Hinterlands the first time I ever did when I was, like, level 40, and we were trying to get the Sprite Darter quest done, and the zone is a level 47 zone. So wolves were coming at me from everywhere. 
Wolves would come halfway across the zone. There'd be wolves back at Erie Peak that would come riding over to kill me. Because <laughs> I'm level 40 in a level 47 zone, and I'm, like, delicious. And you'll never have that experience again, even if they dumped an entirely pure legacy server on the on live right now. That is That experience is gone. What I it find interesting is, like, all of all of... Basically, what we set out to do when we started our leveling stream was kind of that, in essence, yeah. was the whole pristine realm experience, what they're describing yeah. as a pristine. Because we don't use the heirlooms. We don't use any of that, uh, the the character boosts or the tokens or any of that other stuff. Based, it's just Based on that stream experience is why I think the pristine realm would be useless. It wouldn't work. Because, right. I mean, even... Even now, if you don't use any of that stuff, you're still blowing through content like way faster than it takes to. Well, plus, I mean, let me, let me, like, you're right. You're absolutely right about that. But what it really gets to me, like, what the, the leveling experience really showed me was that even if you're trying very hard to have your pristine experience, if you're trying to, like, level, um, is this going to be a pristine now ex- server or is it a pristine then server? Because a pristine now server is still modern WoW. Yeah. You know? It still has people who decide, I'm going to just fly in and follow you around. And granted, they're doing that because we're streaming it. But nevertheless, a level 100 guy can still zone in, like come into your zone anytime he wants, just fly around on Mim's head and just watch you. I yep. do I do like that um, the end of the thing there, though, they, they mentioned that they have been in contact with some of the people who were operating that private server. Mm-hmm. And they're going to continue having more conversations with those people. So it's not like they've been ignoring these people or anything. They're just kind of having internal talks about the thing. Honestly, I mean, you know, it's not going to hurt my game if they put a legacy server out tomorrow. No, no. But that's my thing. As long as it doesn't hurt my game, I don't care. If they had to dump resources into it and it did hurt my game, then I would care. What I think the thing I would really love to see uh, I mean, this is asking even more than legacy servers. So uh, if legacies are servers aren't happening, this probably won't happen. I would love to see World of Warcraft do the EverQuest thing, where they launch the original World of Warcraft, and over time they deploy the patches and deploy the expansions, and just like at an accelerated rate, you see the life cycle of the game. So in theory, you could get together a raid group when it's you know patch 1.1 of Vanilla WoW. You're like, okay, we're going to do Anixia. And in that same group, in the matter of, I don't know, a year or two years, you're back up to World of the Draenor. You've seen, you've gone through the whole thing as it was. It's like a fast forward. Yeah, I think that would be really cool. I think you'd have to do it slower than that. Well, yeah, I just yeah. threw out the time. Yeah, yeah a but, year for, you know, 12 years worth of World of Warcraft. Yeah, <laughs> we have a week to get this down. Yeah. Oh, God, Max is out already. Slower, <laughs> slower than that, but I think it, I think it would be really cool to have the entire history and you know accelerated. You're you're not running molten core nerf to hell with crazy overpowered classes like we have in you know World of Drainer 2016. You would be doing it molten core 2004. There's pros and cons to that. At least I'll say this much for that idea. At least that meant there'd be progressive change because that's the thing that really bugs me about legacy services. There's no progressive change. That things just stay a snapshot. I don't like that. I get that some people do, but I don't. I don't like... If you're bored by, you know, the game as it is right now, how bored will you be by the game as it was in 2005? Or, um, what if they did, like, seasonal? Like, once they reach the end of 
you know, the history of World of Warcraft on that server, you can, if you choose to do so, you can transfer your main to a different realm, and then it resets to 2004. That's kind of interesting. It's not a bad idea, but I think you were right. If they can't do legacy right, servers, it's, if they can't do legacy servers, they're not going to do this. So this is do like, like a not... do like a seasonal thing where it's like, okay, so this season we get to play original World of Warcraft patch, whatever. Dire Maul just came out. Everybody go, and then oh, like God, the following no. season, it's like, okay, we're going to fast forward a little bit, and right now you guys need to do the attunement for Tempest Keep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You had me terrified when you brought up Dire Maul. I, uh, I was just posting pictures of my old WoW character, like with his Quell Sarar and the sword from in Maladath, but the green one, the one from the Dragons of Nightmare. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was just looking at pictures of that, and I'm thinking to myself, "Oh God, the amount of time I spent in Dire Maul trying to get that book." And I, I was talking about this in our team chat earlier. It's like in, you know, I did. Like all of the farming that went into raiding back in the day, right? Oh, I would not. At the age I am now, I would not do it again. And at the time, yeah, we were grumpy about farming nature resist gear. But at the same time, like a camaraderie came with it, right? Like I'm my tank needs nightmare seeds for Black Temple. So me, the healer, I have herbalism. I'm just gonna go get some for my tank. And it was, you know, part of this unit. And oh, uh, our rogue doesn't have this nature resist. Let's form a group and get that for them. Alex, let me tell you though, seriously, about that camaraderie idea. It's cool, but here's the thing that happened to me. It's four o'clock in the morning at my house, and my phone rings. <laughs> and it's the raid leader of my guild who wants me to log on because everybody else is out, and the dragons are up. Here's your mistake. So I spent my day yes, giving them my phone number, which, <laughs> yes. was ex- which was expected back then if you were a main tank. You had to be on call. It was seriously like a job. It when was. I had our main tank's phone it number. It really was. When I had no, when I had, when I got the job working for the site that I worked for before this one, you know the one. Um, when I got the job for that, I was thrilled because it meant that I would finally actually be getting paid for the second job I'd picked up. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I get that I'm being grumpy, and I get that I'm like, I'm, I'm deliberately, you know, shortchanging a lot of stuff that was really cool and fun, because part of me doesn't think you can recapture it, and another part of me remembers all the stuff that you're talking about. And shudders. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't want to do it. I don't care if there was a feeling of camaraderie. It was a feeling of camaraderie based on having 35 people yell at me at once because I wasn't doing something right. I didn't tank Gar the right way or whatever. It just, man, I, I loved a somewhere, lot of them. I did, somewhere on I, my computer, and it might actually not be on my computer. It might be on one of my backup drives, but I have, I have the map of Fellwood. And I actually created a map that mapped out where all of those little plants spawned so that you oh, could farm. Those. Yeah, exactly. Tubers, like knights, and knights, tubers. tubers and Knights Dragon's Breath and all that other stuff. Yeah, because they spawned in like a cycle. And if you had like a group of people with you and you all clicked on the plant at the exact same time, you could all pick it. And, and we used to like we used to farm that stuff back in vanilla for hours, specifically for raids. Because there wasn't any like cooldown on potions at that point in time, you could just quaff a thing through the entire fight. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to point out that we are now halfway through the show. That's fine. I have I have one last Let, point. Yeah, go go for it. <laughs> okay. Um, when I think you know, Blizzard has all of these really amazing fan efforts that go on, right? Like Stalrius, they got the scripting working, they got the servers working. They were working on a Burning Crusade version. If you want to Burning Crusade, like they're they're doing this. Uh, 
when Valve sees people doing this with their games, these huge modding efforts, these huge fan efforts, Valve hires them. That's how you get Counter-Strike. That's how you get Dota 2, uh, you know, Portal. These are people who have undergone like these intensive fan efforts to create a thing from a game they enjoy. For no compensation. Valve hires them, and it turns into printing money. Valve prints money by hiring their, their fans to create these amazing things. And Valve hiring fans to create these amazing things is how Valve has Dota 2 instead of Blizzard, mm-hmm. a game that originated Warcraft 3. Yeah. Uh, when, when Blizzard overlooks these things or ignores them or shuts them down instead of incorporating them, I really think it's their loss. And so out of everything Brack said in his post, the thing that was really interesting to me is that they're talking to the people from Nostalrius. Yeah. Because if they're talking and it's a good talk about bringing them in-house like Valve has done successfully so often, that's great. Because Nostalgia has proved they can do this thing people are asking. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that, you know, I'm, I don't think the technical issues are the real issues. I don't. Because if the technical issues were the real issues, there's ways to solve technical issues. But if they already have a team of people who have been doing it, no, no, the I'm not current arguing. WoW devs don't have to. Yeah. Then, they, you know, they just have to pay more people. I don't. I don't know. I am not the guy who has the information on that thing. I will say this, that if you can do it and not hurt other people's game experience, then there's no reason not to do it. I mean, EverQuest has managed to do it. And quite frankly, I'm not a big EverQuest fan. I never have been. But that said, if you can please both groups, there's never a reason not to. I just kind of hope that they do end up bringing the people that ran that server like bringing them into the company because these are the kind of people that you probably really want working for you honestly they they know the game but more importantly they love the game to the point that they will go through all this effort for nothing that says a lot about you know these people and what they feel about that game that's the kind of people that you want on your staff really if nothing else maybe it'll get people looking looking at the game differently because i honestly do start to feel like yeah having that conversation starting that conversation is like one of those things that maybe this will get that conversation moving a little further than it has previously all right at this point though i'm going to like insist we move on to emails because we have half a show left. whispers of the old gods launched today oh yeah yeah hearthstone whispers of the old gods if you haven't picked it up you can pick it up today and you can play it Woohoo! so we want to do emails Yep. Yes. Okay. Go. First email that we've got is from Rezo Doom, a Norm Warlock. Uh, yeah, which a Norm Warlock. A Norm Warlock. <laughs> a Norm Warlock. Dead. That's actually a really appropriate name, and I like it a lot. I feel like I should just interject and say that. Anyway, he says, "Hello, Watchers. I'm one of the lucky ones and was able to procure two BlizzCon tickets for my wife and myself. As this is my first time going, I was wondering if you guys had any tips for folks going. Thanks for all the work you guys do, and keep up the great and entertaining podcast. Thank you. My first tip. And wait, first off, like straight up, I'm going to say it before anybody else does. Drink water. Lots of water. <laughs> okay. No, no. My tip will actually help him. He won't have to drink lots of water. Put the tickets in an envelope. Lick the envelope, seal it, address it to a to me, no. care of the city of Edmonton, because <laughs> I've never gotten to go. Uh, not that I'm jealous or anything. Now go on with your BlizzCon talk. Now while I sit here, remember that I've never gone. Okay, when you're living at home, you know, a normal day, you probably only wear one T-shirt. Um, triple that for BlizzCon just to be safe. If 
if you are not used to a warm climate or you're just a generally sweaty person like I am, you're going to be moving around a lot. You're going to feel great and stink less for everyone around you if you just change your t-shirt in the middle of the day. Just, hey, I'm smelly, I'm sweaty. Change that t-shirt. Just do it. For that matter, throw yourself in the shower midday. Yeah, just rinse. If you have time, not a bad idea. Um, I would say if you're actually there attending it, make look look at the the list, like the actual the actual schedule for all of the panels and things like that, and pick the ones that you want to see the most in person because there is no way. No way you're going to be able to see all of them. But see, the thing is, is when you get a BlizzCon ticket, you also get the virtual ticket. So you get to see, you, you can go back and watch the panels that you missed later. So pick the ones that you want to see the most and go to those. And, and I've been to other conventions. I haven't been to BlizzCon. But one thing to keep in mind, too, is you're going to want to, like, there's a lot of people around. And every time you are in a situation with a lot of people around, the chances of you getting sick increase um watch your personal contact and wash your hands frequently wash your hands don't touch things you don't have to touch um and when you do touch things be be cautious of that don't touch your face after you've touched things don't bring your hands up to your face or your eyes or your nose or any of that because that's how those germs get there con cred is a thing and it happens to everybody but you can avoid it I mean, I've successfully avoided it every BlizzCon I've ever been to. And in in the vein of what Anne said about panels, um, prioritize panels that won't be on the virtual ticket. Like there's some of the smaller stages, like the voice actor stage is not on the virtual ticket. It's a very small stage, limited seating. If there's voice acting stuff you want to see, prioritize that. Make, make like sure that you go to stage. at least one of those panels on the voice actor stage because there's some of the best panels there, honestly. <laughs> They're really and, great. And prioritize community events, too. Like, if there's a meetup for your server and you want to meet people from your server, or if you have friends in there, make more time for that than the panels you can watch on the stream later. What did they do? Like, last year, wasn't there, like, an outside thing Friday, then, like, night before the convention that had a bunch of stuff, too? Um, They do some different things. I know, was it last year or the year before that they had the big, like, wow, 10th anniversary party? That was outside? the year before last, when we were at the Marriott. But they always have... Food trucks out there eat food. The food trucks. I just remember there was like, I remember you guys talking about them like having people out answering questions and stuff. So be aware of stuff like that. The stuff that they just kind of schedule that isn't really part of the convention. If you're going to be there anyway, you might want to catch it. I mean, if they're having people outside talking to people, why not? Yeah, I mean. Don't buy food inside the convention center. Just go out to the food trucks because they're literally like two minutes out of the way. You can go get food for probably about half the price of what they're selling. <laughs> and it's way better than the stuff that they even, sell in the convention center. Even the food trucks can be kind of pricey, but it's still cheaper and better than what's in It's the better food. Stuff. It's honestly, it's better food. They've got some really good food trucks I mean, out there. They I love have the had Viking some truck. Yeah. And like, what is it? They're for a big thing it's like 13 bucks yeah which is crazy for a sausage you know the guy from wisconsin i can get the same thing for like but it's the size of somewhere. your arm it's hysterical but it's, <laughs> but it's still bigger and cheaper than the crap you get inside the convention hall don't eat anywhere except inside the convention hall the other thing that i would recommend is take advantage of the online sale that they do like the pre-sale for for people that have blizzcon tickets for the merchandise 
Um, order stuff online if you can, because you can't haul it all back with you if you're, particularly if you're flying out there. There's like a limit of what you want to carry on an airplane. So when they open that 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 special sale that they do before the show, and then that special sale that they do after the show, where they're getting rid of everything, honestly. I really appreciated that they opened the store a day early um, because that means that you don't have to go, okay, do I want to see a panel or do I want to go stand in line to get merchandise? You can go get the merchandise before the panels start. If you're planning on buying a poster and you need like a a tube, whether for shipping or taking on a plane, get the tube before the convention. Yeah, bring it with you. There's a FedEx and a UPS in the nearby hotels, but if you wait until the convention to go there to ship this poster or they buy it. They sell tube, out like immediately. They're going to be out of it. <laughs> Get it before the convention. Get it before you buy the poster. You'll be glad you did. I think that kind of like wraps it up. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Of course, if you, if you mail the tickets to me, you don't have to worry about it. And if you mail the tickets to Rossi, you don't have to worry about any of this. Um, okay, yes. moving on. Next question is actually, it looks like there's two questions here, but this is from Clampett, a level 100 troll hunter from Ravenholt. And he says, two questions for the podcast. Number one, I was wondering if you'd ever had a moment when something, wow, this is really phrased oddly. I was wondering if you ever had a moment when something reference, some reference that Blizzard put into WoW was so jarring that it literally took you out of the game and made you say, what? Alex, I'm going to have you answer this because I'm pretty sure that you have an answer to this, but let me finish this here. He (laughs) He says, for me, it happened this morning when I noticed that one of the NPCs in my garrison had a weapon, which was an old style double edge razor blade on a stick right down to the cutouts on the side and the shape on the central notch. The realization pulled me right out of Draenor and into a version of the borrowers with tiny orcs making weapons from my shaving gear. Alex, that go weapon ahead. has existed. I don't I gotta think that's, say this. I don't think that's that a reference. That's just a weapon that's been in the game. That, forever. that weapon's been in the game forever and ever. Like vanilla or something like yeah. that. Um, I I am not morally opposed to pop culture references. I think Blizzard goes uh, overboard with them sometimes. Harrison Jones, uh, all of Uldum. The second uh, half of Uldum. Yeah. Um, the first half with the kitty cat people was great, and I really wanted more of that. Could have done without the Nazis and working for Nazis and Harrison Jones and all of that. I know it's a movie reference. That's the problem. Uh, anytime they they don't let a pop culture joke just fade, it has th- those jokes have to hit you and then leave. When they linger, they get old, and that's when it pulls me out of the game. What about you, Rossi? Um, honestly, uh, I'm trying to think of the, the exact way to phrase this one. Um, do you remember like? I don't even know if you'd count this as a pop culture reference so much, but do you remember like when you go to Northrend and there's the bean quest in the outhouse and what happens after? Yeah. Yes. I could do with a lot less of those quests. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I don't, I get that poop is funny, you know, when you're five and, and you know, I, I have an inner five-year-old and I have laughed at these things at certain points in my life. Um, there's an extended poop joke in one of the, uh, you know, legal Danish movies that I still laugh at when I see it. Um, but I just, I, I could do a lot less with poop quests. I'll just say it. I don't, I don't care if they're pop culture references or not. I just don't like them and I want them to stop. It's an, it's another one of those things that they, they do it too much. They, they, the one in the grand was fine. 
you don't really even have to think about it too much. You know, you're just doing it and it's you're over. Then the the Northrend one and it's it's an elaborate presentation and the implications are unsettling. And then it just keeps going and there keeps being a new one. And it's like there's like debuffs that tell you you're stinky because you've been in poop. And it's like, I get it. <sighs> I get it. Poop. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. The, the occasional poop is hilarious when it's poop all the way down. You can do yeah. without. <laughs> I'm going to kind of agree with what Alex said, um, particularly with the second half of Old- Oldham, because I on the one hand, I kind of like it was really funny to me the first time that I did it. And I think that the reason it was so funny to me the first time that I did it was because I was leveling to max level. Like I was trying to be the first rogue max level rogue on my server. And I, I was in second place. Like I'll, every time I tried to do that, every time I tried to do that run, I always ended up in second place. There was always one guy who got it before I did. But anyway, um, by the time we hit Oldham, we were all on vent talking to each other. And by the time we hit Oldham, we were so tired that everything was funny. <laughs> so it made us laugh a lot because, you know, we were like, this is great. This is really funny. I really want to sleep, but I can't. Right. Um, anyway, I, I, I think what you said is right, though. It, it the best times to do it or the best times that I've had seeing it was just when it was like a one note thing, like where you saw an NPC and they were named a specific thing. And you're like, ah, I get that reference. And then you move on, like having Harris Pilton in yeah. uh, Shatrath. You didn't really do anything with her. You bought some stuff from her. If you wanted to buy bags, you bought bags from her and things. But otherwise, you really didn't do it. She was just there. And I thought it was really clever that if you had an eye of shadow, you could see the ghost of, what was it, Ricole Nietzsche or something like that. Anyway, it was like Paris Hilton's best friend in ghost form. I don't know. Um, That was kind of a clever little side thing that not a lot of people saw. But beyond that, when you start making like the point of an entire zone is just like an in-joke it gets old. It gets real old real fast. Um, the, and, uh, no, the the gnomes in Outland who basically have a star. It's an extended Star Wars joke. Yeah. That's when I started to realize this was going to start being a thing in zones. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's like a Blade's Edge quest. And the entire area is basically an extended Star Wars joke. Yeah. And and the thing is, is like I guess that didn't bother me as much. It it, it was it, there, but it wasn't quite as like heavy-handed. I don't think. Harrison that, Jones, I think, is as heavy-handed. Like they continue to be heavy-handed with Harrison Jones. Yeah. I honestly think the gnome thing is you can ignore it pretty easily, so it's not too bad. When you can't ignore it, like Harrison Jones's biggest problem is he won't shut up about how great he is and how terrible you are. It's and like, the cutscenes, I work, really didn't man. like. I, I didn't like the fact how like the first couple of cutscenes were cool, like the ones where you know you're swinging around on the vine and you're knocking over the statues and things. It's like, whoa, that's really neat. That's like a cinematic experience. And then later on, it gets to the point where it's like it throws you into a cutscene so you can watch your character run up a hill. Mm-hmm. Like, what is that? <laughs> I, I think even... the last time I remember Harrison Jones being funny or entertaining is probably. Wrath of the Lich King, where you had to escort him like out of that crypt, and he does the "Why did it have to be snakes?" line. Yeah. He calls you, he calls you kid or whatever. Like, he he, it's Harrison Jones. That's funny. And then he and leaves then, at the end, and you never see him again, and it was fine. And that like that was the last time it was funny, and I did enjoy that. I genuinely enjoyed that. But they kept bringing him back, and they did Uldum, and it's like stop, <laughs> please yeah. stop. See, honestly, I'll tell you the truth. I didn't like him in in Wrath because I don't like. 
when somebody decides to show me how cool this NPC is by insulting my character. Like, I'm the one doing all the work here. See, at the time, I still thought it was like, haha, he's he's saying these things, but I rescued him. He's just delusional, you know? Yeah. I still had that. He's this delusional, wacky guy. Then they kept doing it. It's like, no, they actually mean it. He's supposed to be amazing. It's stupid. How funny. He says that he's rescuing me, but I very obviously rescued him, and there was something really funny about that. And then, yeah, I don't know. It, it kind of went overboard. Anytime it goes overboard like that, if it's just for, like, a quest or a small quest chain, okay, cool, I can see that. But any longer than that, it gets it gets real old. Um, Clampett's second question, though. He says, with Blizzard changing some of the rules in Legion with regards to what classes specs can wield what weapons, how do you think it'll work on pre-patch day for those of us na- using now invalid weapons, such as my Frost DK alt with his two-handed sword? Will he suddenly I've wake up answer. with... Well, hang on. Will he suddenly yeah. wake up with no weapon? And should I be looking for a pair of swords now? Thanks, Clampett. Go ahead, Rossi. The second you zone in on the pre-patch day, you'll get a quest to go down to Stormwind Harmor and or Orgrimmar's blimp area. And all you will have to do is talk to a person and they will give you a weapon. Okay, so there's no effort involved. You don't have to pre-farm anything. Nope. nope. They'll and hand the it over immediately. You get handed immediately and it's eye level 700. So, yeah, you'll be good to go. And doing the, uh, if you are a dual wielder and you're worried about that, uh, doing the, the whole quest thing that they will, you'll be doing, the, the quest experience, you will get another one. So, yeah, you get equipped real fast. So if you're like a hunter and you're like, oh, I'm survival, I'm supposed to be meleeing now, what do I do? You will be handed a pole arm right, at the, right there. Like some happy orc will be like, we got spear, here's your spear. You'd be like, hey, cool, a spear. I needed one of these because I don't know how to use a bow anymore. Thanks. Really? That was really handy. Yeah. Why, why don't you know how to use a bow anymore? I don't know. I tried pointing it at people. I it just, just forgot. <laughs> Hold on a second. Wiggly, 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 wiggly. Oh, I remember how to use the bow now. But I don't know how to use a spear anymore. Apparently, I can't, <laughs> hold these two, I can't hold these two opposing ideas in my head at once. I don't know what the problem is. But at least now I have a pet again. That's, that's a good thing. I keep a pet in all three specs now. So yeah, but you you will be handed a weapon almost immediately. They they will take care of you. They 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 realized the problem when they did it. So I kind of appreciate that that it's like oh no effort they'll just hand it. Out. What do you think, Alex? Yes. 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 That's all. <laughs> I mean, what more do you want? You get a weapon. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. the answer. They give you a weapon. <laughs> Next question we've got uh, we've got from uh, Creepin' Death, and Creepin' Death has a bunch of questions about the movie, which we may or may not be able to answer because we have not seen this film yet. So take that with a grain of salt. He says, Greeting watch- greetings watchers from the land down under. Creepin' Death here, and I have some questions about the Warcraft movie that I'd like to ask. First off, do you think that the dwarf we have now seen in the trailers is Magni or another dwarf from Warcraft lore? I think it's more likely to be Muradin because Muradin traveled more. Muradin Magni would have been, you know, Magni would have been in in Ironforge. I was gonna say, well, there was, yeah, it, is Muradin? Did Muradin feature in the first two games? Was he? I don't believe so. I don't believe he got mentioned. But I mean, if it's not going to be one of the dwarves from Airy Peak, which you know, Curtin is at least in you know Beyond the Dark Portal. Yeah. If it's not going to be them, then Muradin's the best option because he like actually dealt with humans. He was it, even like ambassador to Lordran at one point. The dwarf, if I'm if I'm thinking of the right dwarf, that dwarf looked vaguely kingly and Magni-ish, and I think he's there. Isn't there like some war council? Like, yeah, probably. So it uh, seems... it depends. It depends on where they take the movie. Because the thing is, is we don't know how much they've changed 
the lore for the film, there's some adjustments that they've made and there's some things that they've changed specifically because, you know, it works better in a film format and it works better on the big screen. One of those things that we don't know is we don't know when the movie ends in the timeline. Does it end at the end where Warcraft 1 ended or does it end somewhere in the middle of Warcraft 2 or what? It feels like they're taking Warcraft 1 and 2 and making one film out of it. Yeah, and if that's the case, then that might very well be Magni. Yeah, but we'll see once we actually get to see it. All I know right now is that dude's got a beard. Okay. Uh, Next question says, We know that we're going to see humans, dwarves, and high elves to some extent, but do you think we'll see any of the other peoples of Azeroth? According to IMDB, a Kul'Tiran and Draenei mother are listed as well. I gotta say up front, Kul'Tirans are human. Kul'Tiran is just somebody that lives in Kul'Tiras. That's, that's and they're not humans. a special race. Yeah, they're yeah. humans, citizens of Kul'Tiras. Couldn't that be somebody's name, the way it's written? Maybe. I, hope I don't not. know. It's a weird Kul- name. Like Maybe they're Kul-Tira? the founder of Kul'Tiras, but that wouldn't make sense either. <laughs> Kul- I am Kul'Tiran, Lord of Kul'Tiras. Yes, hello, I'm American man. It's a lady, though. So, <laughs> yeah, it's being played by Valerie Wiseman, who is a lady. Correct. So, so it could be a... Yeah. And the Draenei mother, well, we know that the Draenei are involved because it's their souls that were used to fuel the Dark Portal or whatever. Um, I think we saw that in one of the trailers, didn't we? Yeah, we saw something. I, I mean, I didn't get a really good look at it, but we definitely saw Goldon doing evil magic on some people that were not orcs. I'm, I, I might be thinking about the BlizzCon stuff that they showed us. I'm not I think, sure. No, I remember you talking about it. You talked about it. Yeah, so, yeah. they had like dudes in cages and they didn't look very obviously dry at the time because it was like a half second shot of footage or whatever but they had the glowing eyes and i'm like oh those are probably dry okay so this is random dry mother number 100 or whatever um maybe she's the one that they do a close-up on when they bite it so that's why she's in the credits i don't know Next question says, do you think Medivh will play a big part in the story or not? To me, just judging by the trailers, it seems, apart from the orcs and human conflict, that Khadgar is the bigger focus than Medivh. Or are they just holding back showing him a lot as he might be a bigger threat in the movie than Gul'dan is? Honestly, i got to go back for a second. Couldn't yeah. the Jedi mother be Garona's mother? Maybe. But anyway, I have no idea on Medivh. I've seen like clips of him doing like really awesome Photoshop filters, but that's that's all I got for you. Um he doesn't he seems I have no idea they show like that weird like round terraced area that seems to be like I don't know if that's supposed to be Dalaran or like Menif's tower or what like the, there's the that statue place yeah you you remember it it's in yeah. the trailers I don't know what's going on there I don't know why there looks to be a statue of Medivh in Dalaran that would be odd but it I thought it was like in there. Stormwind it's like in, I think it's Stormwind. Yeah, yeah like where Stormwind? they went over okay. Stormwind Harbor, and it was like, oh, there's a statue of a guy with a staff with the bird on top of it. That's like, well, that's new. Why would they put yeah. that there? But again, I think that's something that they're probably going to address in the film, and it might vary from lore as we know it right now. But for all we know, Medivh is nothing but an unalloyed good guy in this movie. We have no idea. It yeah, could, you know, Medivh could just straight up be like a super nice wizard. They're kind of I mean, keeping well, that one close to their chest, and maybe maybe yeah. that's because there's going to be something really cool going on with it. We don't know. Don't know. Uh, Anduin, uh, Lane, I'm glad you're here. I made I, I made Rice Krispie squares. You are the best wizard, Medivh. This guy's awesome. I love this guy. Yeah. We don't even have before. marshmallows in Azeroth, and yet he managed. Yes. <laughs> really, I don't I don't know how you do it. I literally don't know how you do it. It's magic. I don't. Alex, have to. any thoughts on that? 
I think this medieval statue is really bizarre. Yeah. That's all. That's that's where I looked at that rendering of Stormwind, and I go, that statue does not look like it belongs here. But if it works, it works, I guess. I wonder if it was well, like all... maybe it was part of a vision that Cadgar saw or something. I don't I'm know. I'm gonna say, yeah, we, we in the past we've had weird stuff in Stormwind, and it turned out to be visions. Uh, so basically, my, my my thoughts is, um, I don't think the trailer. If depending on how closely they're sticking to the games, I don't think the trailers are giving away like the twists that we Warcraft players know about. Um, I, I don't think it's the trailers haven't gone too much into what Medivh is all about. Um, Garona seems like you know the 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 good guy holding it all together, you know, bringing together the Horde and the Alliance. But we all know what she does. Yeah, and the trailers haven't hinted at people that any haven't of that happening. Yeah, people that are unfamiliar with World of Warcraft or unfamiliar with Warcraft in general, you don't want to stick that in the trailer because that's going to be a moment of surprise for those people. You know, that's yeah. going to be weird. It's like all this stuff that we've known for what, like, ten years or more. Twenty. That, yeah. That's going to be spoilers for people. <laughs> or maybe it doesn't happen. Maybe Corona is just a good guy. I don't, I don't know. know. Well, my my wife made a point. Like she was hanging out with a friend, and her friend said that orc girl and that guy are going to kiss, aren't they? And my wife's like, Andrew and Lothar is not going to kiss Corona. She got real mad. She's like, there is no smooching between Andrew and Lothar and Corona. It's not canon. I'm the like, trailers have been setting up setting that yeah. up, but maybe it's misleading. I don't know. I'm I'm God. I hope terrified they of that happening. I well, hope like, they I, don't. I, but it's like I said to her, honey, it, it, it doesn't necessarily have to follow the plot of the games, and she gave me such a look. <laughs> well, like, know, okay. um, Orgrim Hammer is a frost wolf. Yeah, they did change that, and I think Kaczynski posted on somewhere, or he mentioned it somewhere, he said, yeah, they did change him to be a frost wolf, but it makes, there's a reason why they did it for the purpose of the film, and it makes total sense. So, okay, all right. I'll go ahead. I'm going into this with a grain of salt anyway because I have all of this, like, encyclopedic... All this stuff is in my head. And I kind of have to, like, put it aside when I go see the movie and just take the movie on its own as its own hey, thing. If Andrew and Lothar ends this movie still alive, I'm I'm already happier with it. And also, <laughs> if at some point big old Ash Condi-looking sword comes out... That'd be great. Be upset. Yeah, you could just. In fact, the movie could just star Ash Condi, and I'd be okay. It stars the and sword. starring Ash Condi. You, you have no idea <laughs> how <itself>. hard it's. <laughs> yes. Having having watched Vikings, I can't wait to see all of the comments from people watching the Warcraft movie talking about Travis Fimmel's weird hand motions. Oh yeah, his hands are always doing something. His hands are very animated and things. wacky. That's just that's always how he's done. Th- yeah, that'll be interesting. Okay, uh, next question is from Salvatore, and he says, Hello to all. My main is a Forsaken Protection Warrior. The Royal Crest of Lord Ron is among my favorite shields aesthetically, and I'm wondering if you had any thoughts or suggestions about an undead character using an item presumably from before the fall of his former kingdom. Any other in-game items that would or would not make sense from a Forsaken lore perspective? Many thanks. Love the site and show, Salvatore. I don't know how this question got in here. How would someone do that? I don't know. a warrior transmog question. That's just mad. Uh, first off, that's a brilliant choice for a Forsaken because uh, almost all Forsaken are from Lord Aron. Yeah. So, so it makes would... sense that he would have that kicking around maybe from his former life. Yeah, if he was like a soldier in the armies of Lord Aron, he would probably have some items with its, with its crest on them. 
Uh, there's um, a lot of things, actually, in terms of weapons that I think work really well. They're mostly vanilla items. Um, yeah. There's one sword, There's a sword in particular. If you're going two-handed, there's a sword called Demon Shear, which uh, drops in Strat. Um, it, it drops off of Balnazar in Strat. It still does. It always has. It did in vanilla, and it does. And it's basically a really lovely red and, and, and uh, gray pattern blade. It's just – it's the exact same model as the Arcanite Champion. It's just a straight-up – it's a simple two-handed sword. It's not really fancy or complicated. It's just a but recolor? It's, this, it's just got an intricate coloration on the sword itself. Okay. Uh, it, and it looks really good for, I think, Forsaken because it's... Honestly, one of the things that work really well for Forsaken is is simpler-looking gear because simpler-looking gear allows their knees and stuff to show. It gives you the sense of decay. And plus, it makes sense that you'd have gear from before because you probably got buried in some of it. You know, a lot of these guys came up out of the ground. Like they're not all, not everybody caught the plague, died on the ground and then got up. Some of them were buried. So you, you can play around with all sorts of stuff. There's, um, there's a really great, uh, set of armor that, that works for this, that, that comes from various dungeons, uh, in BC, not in BC, um, in vanilla that the, when they revamped Akata, they, they brought this set in, uh, and one of the pieces I know drops in, in, of all places, it's a quest. Thank you. Motorcycle outside. Uh, drops in Zulfarok. It's an actual quest item you get for doing Zulfarok. Uh, I can't remember what it's named, but it's like just these big bulky sh- you know, shoulder armor. And the whole set is like around level 50. So if you do the dungeons at around level 50, like 45 to 50, you'll get the set. And it's just a very, it's a silver and metallic looking set. It doesn't have a lot of like frippery to it. It doesn't have like a lot of over like over much detail it has just enough detail to say um you know warrior and i is think it that like the really knight's well. here or whatever the one that looks like it's like silver and chainmail. kind of it doesn't quite look like the you know like there's that stormwind guard set it no this one like isn't that. the stormwind guard set i think it's called the knight set is what it's called or something like that um and it's it's like sterling silver looking metal with like chain link that kind of links it together yeah, I think if you're talking about the one I think you are, that is, it is the one. But I'll... It looks like generic knight number whatever, and it would totally work for somebody who's supposedly from Lordaeron. Yeah, but What's... Forsaken tend to work with gear that looks um, that reveals their state. Anything that's not too like overly bulky. Like I honestly feel like um, Forsaken look kind of bad in, like say, Tier 6, only because their shoulders are too narrow. So they don't get the bulky look like, you know, an orc really gets that big giant helmet and the big giant shoulders, but they slim down on a Forsaken. So I like simpler stuff on Forsaken. What were you saying, Alex? What's that like vanilla black mail set that's ludicrously expensive in RP servers? Uh, Ebon, Ebonhold? Oh, yeah. um, Ebonhold. And there's you can get bits and pieces of it that that look kind of like it from um, I want to say Black Rock Depths. It it is mail and not plate, but I don't know if that's becoming plate with Legion. I had that on Hattie for a while when she was going for her goth yeah. phase. If it's got strength on it, then it's going plate and Legion. If it doesn't, it's not. Well, and I, would, I would tell you this, except up. my browser is completely locked up. So I can't. <laughs> it was a cool set though, and I think that actually like wraps us up time wise, doesn't it? Seems so. 
looks yep. like it. Okay. Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. And your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. This has been the Blizzard Watch podcast. If you have any questions or emails for the site, please send them to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. We love getting emails and talk about pretty much anything. I think we covered a pretty wide gamut of stuff today, and we keep trying to do that every week. So uh, thank you very much for listening, and we'll be here next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.